Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hey guys, uh, wanted to put out another interview real quick. I promise that eventually I'm going to do some type of recap of this trip. It's just been, it's been super busy and it's been hard to put in words, uh, how the trip's been going, but I definitely think at this point I want to do this again. Um, I think Fantastic Fest has just the type of charm and atmosphere that I've always looked for. And I think that this is going to be, uh, a trip that I will repeat in the future, the same way that I do the San Diego and the Monster Mania trips every year. And this interview is kind of a big factor in that. A lot of the interviews that you're going to hear throughout the next couple 
uh, bonus episodes have been like set up by a press agent. And we sat down and we were in a room and it was timed and you had 10 to 15 minutes and that was it. This one is a little bit different. There's two or three interviews that you'll hear outside of this one, but this was the first one where I looked at the plot description for a movie and said, there's no way I can't talk to this person. So I figured out an email address and I contacted the producer and said, I really want to sit down and talk with anybody that has anything to do with this movie. I don't care who, I just need to talk to someone about this. And we set up a time with the producers, Tom and Griff and the director, Brett. And we just walked down to an ice cream shop that was, you know, less than a minute walk from the theater and it was pretty windy. So I apologize if the sound quality isn't the greatest. Um, we just hung out and we talked and like, I walked away from that, uh, feeling like, like Brett's one of us. And I don't, and I, and I mean that in like the nicest way. And what I mean is that when you do a lot of these interviews and you meet a lot of people, uh, you have these good isolated 10 to 15 minute moments, but most of the time you walk away and these people don't remember you after that because they've interviewed, you know, they've been interviewed by 20 or 30 people and it's easy to kind of get caught up in this idea of like, we had a good talk. So now we're friends. Um, and most of the people don't ever remind you. And I'm always in the mind state to not think that way. But I walked away from this Brett interview and felt like, Brett, you're going to hear more of Brett on horror movie night. I, I genuinely think that. I, I think that we will find more ways to promote this movie on this show, uh, be it him popping up on a regular episode or us doing it in theaters now with him when it comes out in theaters. We, I love this movie. I know Scott and Brian are going to love this movie. And I know that every one of you listening is going to love this movie. Hands down, it was my favorite film that I saw while I was at this festival. And you're going to hear me talk about it a lot over the next couple months. So I've hyped it up enough. I apologize for the wind and the sound, but this is the most 80s slasher film love that I've seen in a long time. So strap in and enjoy my interview. So we are sitting outside of an ice cream shop in Austin with uh, the team behind You Might Be the Killer. Uh, so real quick, if you guys want to just introduce yourselves. Sure. Brett Simmons, director, co-writer. Tom Vitale, producer and co-writer. I'm Griff First. I'm the producer. All right. So I sat through the midnight screening of this. It's amazing. It's my favorite film so far that I've seen at the festival. I don't really see any of the other movies topping it right now, but that's because... At my heart, I'm an 80s slasher kid. <laughs> and awesome. all of our listeners are 80s slasher kids. Yeah. So guys, I'm telling you right now, whenever we know when this movie's coming out, yeah. this is your like must-see of 2018, 2019. That's awesome. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the love that you have for this. Because I feel like I saw a lot of homages, but I yeah. don't know if it was just my brain putting sure. them together or if they were genuine homages. So what were some of the big influences on this? I think there was just non-stop homages like the movie is just kind of like just littered with them because i think that between between griff and i we grew up like 
kids like watching these 80s slashers and then Tom has produced like over 300 of these horror movies you know where it's like he's just a bible himself of this stuff and so really the three of us once we had the Twitter conversation and wanted to start figuring out what this movie was going to be we kind of all just came in just bringing everything that we love about the genre and just everything like it's hard to even like isolate like one specific movie or like one specific thing down to it because we really were just pilfering from everything that we love about it but I think the the overarching like methodology behind it was 80s slashers how do we consolidate this down here and then now having hindsight 2020 what works what doesn't work kind of help someone survive one yeah. <laughs> you know basically so this is going to sound like a weird one but this is the yeah, one that went through my head was the character of chuck yes i'm watching this character and all i'm thinking is that it's a weird blend of the frog brothers from lost boys and dotty from peewee's big adventure <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you can reference peewee's big adventure is amazing to me and i'm i'm really wishing we now had like a clown nightmare dream or something. <laughs> like, that's amazing um yeah, well, you know what's funny is I feel like Chuck, even getting a little more abstract than that, is like when we watch these movies, um, you know, I feel like you watch horror movies in one of two ways. You're either inserting yourself into the horror movie going, I would never do that. That's like ridiculous. Or you're watching it as a spectator going like, well, that guy's doing something dumb. And so Chuck very much in our mind kind of represented like, the spectator of a horror movie, right? We're like, well, why would you be walking through the woods alone at night? Like, you're just going to get killed faster. <laughs> Whereas then, Sam in the movie, Fran Kranz, represents us when we insert ourselves into these horror movies. Where it's like, well, I mean, it, it made sense at the time. Like, you know, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying not to die. I'm trying to find who this guy is, you know? And so just kind of constantly weighing our own analyses of watching these movies, you know, because we all do that. Like, when I watch a slasher movie, I'm like, well, why would they do that right now? We're like, oh, that was actually a pretty smart move. That was a pretty smart move. You know, or like, oh, this is actually a great place to hide. He should definitely hide here. Or why would he hide here? You know, like, I feel like that's kind of the experience of watching all these movies growing up was just inserting myself into these things. And that's kind of the joy of horror movies, I think, right? It's like, just yeah. kind of like, how would I do that? What, what would that be like? Whereas here, we actually got to kind of answer that a little bit. Well, and I, I remember hearing a quote one time that someone said the best thing about horror movies is even when they're bad, they're good. And, like, yeah. this movie feels like a love letter to those movies that are bad yeah. but good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny It's funny you say that because I'm actually really proud of the gore effects in the movie. It's great. But, uh, thank you. But uh, I also, one of the things about it was we kind of went in with, you know, we're a low-budget movie. And we are like, if the gore effects don't work, we're in the perfect genre because even when they don't work they work because yeah. it's like it's almost like as a fan i just want to see that they tried and so like with the movie it's like hey they just want to know that we tried like as long as they <laughs> as long as the blood is on screen we're fine you know <laughs> i mean that's the that's the honest truth behind i mean how many how many times have you watched a movie where you're like, well, that was trash, but man, that one kill scene was fucking dope. So true, so <laughs> true. Well, even like, so we revisited um, Friday the 13th, the original. Okay. I did. Um, I didn't really, I mean, we didn't need to. We all just know these movies so well. But I had revisited it just more just trying to check my math on some of our decisions, just because it's been a while since I had watched the movie. And um, not all the gore effects in that movie hold up. No. 
but there's like two really solid ones and the rest yeah. are kind of like off screen well, and like, forgettable yeah like even as a kid like the greatest moment of all time for me when i was a kid was when kevin bacon got the arrow through his neck yeah I, I was i remember just being like oh my god what just happened <laughs> but now when i watch it i'm like oh wow his neck is a completely different color than the rest of his head and wow that posture doesn't make any sense at all <laughs> But it still works, you know. That's one of the downsides of high definition, really, is that it yeah, kind of really. ruined a lot of 80s slasher movies. Well, it's actually funny you say that because um, we've been getting some compliments, which I really appreciate on um, just how old the movie looks. And that's actually something we did really deliberately because, you know, in the digital age, everything, HD is the enemy of, like, these types of movies. And, um, and also, HD doesn't look like these movies. Like, yeah. the movies that we grew up watching, we just, the three of us just desperately wanted this movie to look like the movies we are used to watching. And so we actually spent a lot of time dirtying up the movie. You know, like film grain, camera shake, you know, things like that. So I have a question for you real quick, because I heard someone ask that question, and I felt... Mark. <laughs> oh. There you go. All right. Uh, for me, I actually felt like and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it felt like the camp scenes were very 80s, but everything with Chuck was very modern shot. I'm actually, I'm, I, I'm very excited that you noticed that. Because, like, <laughs> yes, 100%. We, um, Griffin Tomno, like, when we went in, and Andy Strayhorn, our, our cinematographer, who was incredible, and we were very lucky to have him, we wanted the two places to feel very different. Yeah. We wanted them to feel like they were in the same movie. So basically, every time we were at the camp, we were um, simulating on our print a super 16 millimeter of mm -hmm. film grain. And then when we were in the comic shop, we were simulating kind of more of a traditional cleaner 35. Just the whole, trying to give the comic shop just a little bit of a safer, cleaner, nicer flavor than the camp, which we wanted to feel kind of harsh, kind of threatening, you know. Um, but I can't believe you noticed that. That's like really amazing. Even the color treatment like is way more... It's just like kind of happy feeling at the comic shop where it's like a darker at the camp and it's kind of nasty feeling. So, yeah, I, I'm so amazed that you noticed that. That's really cool. <laughs> no problem. Uh, but, yeah, this is definitely, like I said, guys, if you listen to Horror Movie Night, this is the movie. The, we, they made a movie for us, finally. So, <laughs> like, awesome. how did uh, how did Griff and Tom get pulled into this? I know this started as a Twitter exchange. So what's yeah, the whole story? Because it's pretty a fascinating Tom. story. That's all Tom. So last July, July 2017, um, Sam Sykes and Chuck Wendig, two great writers, they have big social media followings. They started to kind of riff with each other about this horror situation, this horror camp situation. Um, and it went viral, it got picked up and, and it had over a million impressions. Uh, and everyone was like texting each other, you gotta check this out, gotta check. And the whole thing took maybe five, six hours for them to, to kind of ad-lib the whole thing they didn't plan it out ahead of time they were just having fun with each other um so myself um and another partner another producer guy named craig angler reached out to them and said hey guys this is a movie we want to turn this into a movie um and they like yeah really cool uh and we you know made a deal with them and i contacted griff and then the two of us contacted brett and step by step things get done uh, but we had great great source material to start with um, and if, if your listeners haven't checked out Sam Sykes and Chuck Wendig's original Twitter on this they should do it now after because there's a lot of spoilers in there after yeah. I watch the movie but check it out 
and say on that as well griff how did how did you get pulled in that's pretty much how it how it went except that so we've all n known each other or at least known about each other for a long time and there's another producer by the name of justin smith who was involved in the very beginning stages of this and he was a bit of a chemist and he's like well griff and tom know each other i think they'd make a good team and he loves brett and he knows he just kind of looked at all of our personalities and said let's have these guys make this movie based on this exchange and he put us all together and it 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 jived pretty pretty quickly. We all got together in Louisiana where we we're going to shoot this thing, and then we we split apart and did our own things and came back together, and that's how it went. All right, well, guys, if you are a fan of the Final Girls or any of these movies that are coming out, where we're kind of at this point where slasher films have to be at least a little bit self-aware. I totally agree with you. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you, and that's actually one of the things that really inspired me most about this was you're absolutely right. Like we all have digested these movies so many times for so long, right? That it's kind of almost impossible to try and make a modern slasher without being somewhat self-aware, don't you think? But you're doing something that's cool because I could see, without giving away, I'm trying to think how to word this without giving away anything in the movie. But you guys basically created a way that you could do as many sequels as you wanted with a completely different cast over and over and over again. I think that that's fucking <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, it's really hard to imagine making it without Fran and Allison, but that is a really funny point. You're right. Well, Fran, I mean, you got like a, a junior Bruce Campbell there in some of these <laughs> shots. There are scenes that feel so much like they were pulled from Evil yeah. Dead 2 with yeah. his like so comedic styling. Yeah. It, it's I have not had this much fun watching a horror film in a really long time. That's and in, in a day and age where we have like Hereditary, which is a great movie, but right, right. completely emotionally wrecks you to be able to go and yeah. see something that just makes you feel happy for yeah. 90 minutes is great. You know, I, I mean, I think the three of us all relate to it, but you know, I'm a different guy watching horror movies now that I have kids because I'm like, I'm married, I have three kids. And so like horror movies, they affect me differently. And so like when I see like the Hereditaries, like, kind of come home and I'm like hey guys like dad's gonna be gone for a couple days <laughs> like, I just gotta like sit in my room and be sad whereas um I just I'm at a point in my life where I just want to go on a roller coaster ride and I get off and catch my breath and have a great time you know and that's what I really felt like I got from all the 80s slashers when I was a kid I just felt like I went on a great a Sam Raimi called them uh he always called them like funhouse movies. Yeah. Um, which I always loved, you know, the idea like I just want to go to the fair, I want to find the haunted house, I want to go in, I want to get startled a bunch and come out and laugh with all my buddies that I had a good time. And that's really like my favorite type of horror movie and that's really what we kind of set out to make was, hey, like, just come have a really good time watching this. And Fran, like to his credit, if you guys aren't already like amazing, like huge fans of Fran, like we are, he is a massive horror movie fan. And so he, um, when he came to set, he was bringing all of his, uh, like his own knowledge of just all the movies that he's been watching forever to his performance as well. And it's amazing for the three of us because we barely had to give him context. He's coming in and like, you know, I just feel like, you know, as far as like, you think about like Evil Dead and you think about like Night of the Living Dead. And like, he's just like referencing all the movies that we're referencing. And I'm like, this is such a gift, you know, <laughs> that like our lead actor gets it as much as we do. And it became such a fluid and fun collaboration with him because it just he was just as much involved with us as in the collaboration of telling the story, you know? Well, the movie was just completed two weeks ago, basically. So <laughs> we don't really know anything where I can promote a uh, release date or anything. But guys, just keep your ears and eyes open. If it's playing at a festival, go see it. Support this movie. It's, it's a film that we all as horror fans have been wanting to see. So 
awesome. Thank you, all three of you, for giving us this gift, honestly. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network.